there to learn about the ceasefire, but to understand the peace, you must first understand the war. It's been so long. Do you even know what war is anymore? You may know the definition, but at this point, it's probably just a word to you. You don't know what it means, but I guess that's as good a starting place as any. But how do I describe a world consumed by war to someone who's only ever known peace? A war that was so widespread and so long-lasting that the only reason people fought was to kill those they were raised to call enemy. There was a reason other than that. It had been so far lost to time that no one cared anymore. All they cared about was causing carnage and coming out of every fight victorious. The war shaped every facet of the two kingdoms, the humans and the Fae. Each side thought they were right. Though they were superior in every way, from their weapons, to their art, down to their very nature. Whether they were or not was irrelevant. They would be the ones to rule the continent. They would prove their superiority through carnage. Most who were involved directly with the carnage never saw the home for which they fought, and those who crafted the instruments by which the carnage was fought never saw the impact for themselves. Feel so covered in the dead that even the scavengers would not approach for the smell. Streets so soaked in blood that the stones were now tinged red all the way through. No one was worried when they saw smoke on the horizon because there's always smoke on the horizon. You just looked to make sure it wasn't moving your way. Those who did well on the battlefield were promised a chance to return as a hero if they won one more battle. I honestly don't know if any of them ever did. They had entire segments of their population dedicated to breeding and teaching the next wave of soldiers to join the bloody fray. The fae dug deep into the dark and unnatural parts of their magic, cursing the very grounds they fought on, sometimes pushing their minds into a frenzy beyond madness. It was rare, of course, and they learned all kinds of things to prevent it, but... I don't think they ever figured out a way to reverse it. I like to think that they tried before giving up and letting those twisted creatures roam free until someone else dealt with them. They rarely attacked other fate though, so maybe they meant that to happen. The humans weren't much better. I have no idea how they settled on demon's blood as a way to improve their soldiers, but it led to some truly horrific things. They claimed it was not actual demon's blood, but a concoction inspired by it that was crafted by their alchemists. Those madmen were always tinkering with new ways to twist the human body into a better soldier. I personally believe the truth is somewhere in the middle, but honestly, I don't care to know any more than I already do. They couldn't inject their concoction directly into their soldiers because the results were too unpredictable and 
often rendered them near dead. So they came up with another solution. They took volunteers who were desperate and paid their families a regular stipend in exchange for being part of their alchemical program. Sometimes they offered it as a way for people to work themselves out of debt. Either way, not a great choice, but it's not like they had other options. They ran the demon's blood through their bodies and then transfused it into their soldiers. They were very careful with the dosages, of course, monitoring all of the parties involved to ensure they remained as healthy as can be. They also studied the reactions of their specimens to see the effects the different strains had on their bodies, because that would inform the decision of which soldier received that transfusion. The treatment was inhumane because no one viewed them as human. They were important though, so they had to be kept in good condition. All of those who were rendered ineligible for service were summarily disposed of. After it was discovered that a woman in one of their facilities was pregnant, they didn't want to deal with such a thing, and reasoning that it would be a miracle if she lived long enough to give birth, they disposed of her, along with others who had passed during the experiments. Miracle did happen, though. Some people from the neutral zone found her and kept her alive long enough for the delivery. They then passed the child off to someone who knew nothing of her past and disappeared so that no one would know the truth of her origins. That child was me. And looking back, I know they did that so that the humans wouldn't come for me. No doubt they would have loved to have studied me. But I wasn't interested in that. They didn't need any more inspiration for their monstrosity. How did I find out? Part of me suspected, but I didn't learn the story until I was of age. One of my rescuers found me and told me. They had agreed never to speak of it to anyone, but she thought I deserved to know. It wasn't an easy thing to learn, of course, but... I'm glad she told me. Back to the war. I've told you of the humans and the Fae, but there's another group you need to know of. They were a smaller group, but they are nonetheless important to this tale. Existing outside of the two kingdoms was the Neutral Zone. Pockets of people seeking to make a life outside of the carnage. A mix of humans and Fae and everything in between. These people strove hard to create lives of peace, even while trying to escape the endless war that dogged their every steps. Imagine a whole society focused on mutual survival, the desire to band together and keep clear of the war shaping their every tenant, the desire to build something better. Sometimes I wish I could go back and tell them what the world would become. Show them that all of their sacrifice and loss would lead to something truly good. I especially wish I could share this with those who rescued me, but the only one I knew of died a few years later. Caught in the crossfire some skirmish. We had those even in the peace times. And when the story starts, we were in one of those peace times. 
There had been no major encounter for months, and those few months have been glorious. The woods were filled with the sounds of nature instead of the constant, distant sound of death. We never stopped waiting for that other shoe to drop, but some of us were beginning to wonder if the war was beginning to draw to a close finally. Surely the armies and their generals were growing bored of the carnage. Surely they had achieved whatever goal they were pursuing with this damned war. Before I get into the event that changed that, there's someone you need to know about. Sam. Sam is a changeling that I met around the time when my more demonic traits were showing up. Took me a while to get those under control, and during that time, that made me dangerous to be around. Eventually, it got to the point where I was asked to leave the camp I was staying with until I could prove I would not be a liability to the group. It may sound harsh now, but I understood why they had to do that. I even had my belongings packed already as I had planned to leave that very night. I knew of a place where I could comfortably survive on my own until I bested the darkness and it was far enough away that no one would be harmed if it bested me. Sam refused to let me face that alone. He ran into my little camp while out hunting one day and struck up a conversation. I obliged and since that day I have not been able to get rid of him. Even when I tried to explain how dangerous I was, he insisted on coming to keep me company. He said he was curious. He had never seen someone like me before, and he had seen a lot of strange folk in these woods. Sometimes he would change his appearance to mimic mine, so I could see how my control was progressing. The first time he did, I thought he was trying to mock me, but in time I realized how useful it could be. It made me feel less alone. He told me many tales of wondrous places he had seen throughout the forest and the surrounding areas. Small pockets of land somehow remaining unspoiled by the war. Those fairy tales gave me something to hold on to in the dark times. Once I had my darker half under control and I was able to travel without fear of causing harm to others, he insisted on showing me those places. I went along to humor him, but in the end he ended up proving my suspicions that he was full of it incorrect. At least in that particular area. By the end of his little tour, we were so used to traveling together that we decided to continue doing so. The rest is history. We made our home amongst the trees and by the rivers, which were as good a place as any. In a world where you all have to depend on each other for survival, everyone has to do their part. So we hunted food and relics, and gathering whatever other materials the various camps requested. And it was in our doing our duty for our chosen people that we witnessed what could have been the end of everything. You have been listening to Ceasefire, the story of the end of a war that did not end the world. This story was written and produced by Brianna Jean as part of Pseudonym Social. 
a creative podcast network changing reality one story at a time. In this episode, you can hear the voice of Brianna Jean as Vivian. You can support all of our productions over at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. To get more information on this or any of our other shows, check out our website at pseudonymsocial.com.